else whispering, but I know I'm not whispering. Hey. Hey. Oh, hey. Look hey, look at that. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, we're back again. Back again for another week. Another, for another episode. week. Another episode. Another cookie and another crime. Coming back at you. Coming back at you. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to us before, you're listening to Cookies and Crime. I'm Renee. And I'm Mindy. We, you know, we have snack time and we talk about gruesome crime cases. Crims. Crims. Some crims and cookies. Mm-hmm. Cookies and crims. So uh, this time I will do an appropriate trigger warning. Trigger warning. For domestic Murder. Violence. Also murder. Yes. We're domestic probably violence. nine times out of ten going to be talking about murder. But in this case, as with the last case, there are... There's a lot of discussion about domestic violence, so if that's a a, a sensitive topic for you, please do not listen. Yeah. So, just going to get that out there. Um, how are you doing? Are you ready for the next one? I'm so ready. I've got my uh, emotional support dinosaur here, and I'm... You're good to go. Hydrating. Got a little fuzzy blanket? Yeah. We're ready. You know how I get cold. Yeah. You, yeah. You can talk I'm like about a, cold like a lizard. topics. <laughs> like a lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have warmth. <laughs> gotta have the warmth. Gotta have the warmth. So, um, like I mentioned in the last episode, these next few cases are gonna be solved because that is mentally a little bit easier to digest than the unsolved. And the John Benet Ramsey case did a number on us. We're still recovering. We're thinking about it for for weeks and weeks and weeks. I don't think I'm ever gonna stop. But, um. So in the spirit of closed cases, this one was actually just closed officially, like verdict done last year. Ooh. So this is recent. Wow. This is a very recent case. Um, it is the case of Heather Frank and Scott Sessions. I don't know that I know this one. It wasn't. Honestly, when I did research for it, I could not find a lot of podcasts and videos about it, hmm. for example. So which, which is fine. Like I just. I prefer to go to original source material anyway. Sure. But what I also like to do when I'm doing research is hearing other people's takes on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I found if anyone watches that chapter on YouTube, he's great. Mike's great. He covers a lot of cases in a really like bite-sized kind of way. He usually does like a 30-minute episode. But he covered this case and he was the first one I saw. Mm. Which was intriguing. And then I listened to a podcast called uh, Body Bags. With Joseph. Oh, I think I've listened to that one Scott before. Scott Morgan. Have you? Yeah, I think so. He's really, really good. He is a retired, I believe he's retired. Um, I want to say medical examiner, but I'm actually going to say forensic investigator. Because I'm pretty sure he worked on autopsies, but he also dives into other aspects of forensics. So he kind of did a lot of stuff. He does a lot of things with Nancy Grace, so he's a pretty big okay, okay. I name got in the in the crime, true crime community, the criminal investigation community. Um. So anyway, that's where I'm drawing a lot of my information. I also, this takes place in Colorado, in Greeley, Colorado. And I read a lot of the original newspaper. Well, I guess no one. It's not really a newspaper anymore. The um, online articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That were written about it as it was unfolding. Gotcha. So, okay. First, let's talk about Heather Frank. So she grew up in Waterloo, Wisconsin. Graduated. Waterloo. <laughs> I was defeated. You won the war. Part of me knew you were going to say that. And part of me was like, will she notice? Could we go past this? No. You got to Sorry. She graduated from high school in Waterloo um, in 1990 and started working as a waitress. She eventually, she moved to Colorado in the early 2000s. And I couldn't find a lot of 
exact information about Heather. Um, the unfortunate part of this case for me is that there's a lot more focus on Scott, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. When I, when I get to Scott's story, he deserves as much attention in this case as he got. Um, but Heather has very little information out there about her. Um, there weren't exact years, but she had three children, three boys, um, Alexander McLaughlin, and then twin boys, Christian and Blake McLaughlin. Um, I couldn't find the relationship with their dad either. I don't know if she was married previously. I don't know if it was just a past relationship. I don't know most of her story. All I know, though, is that she gets to Colorado, okay? Um, And she has three sons. She was really crafty. She was really into sewing. And um, what I loved reading is that she actually would make handmade plant stands. That's cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. She was really We're plant crazy. people. We like yeah, that. We love that. I read yeah. that and I was like, oh, I wonder if she had an Etsy shop. Man, that's cool. Yeah. So she she was really, really artsy, really decorative, really cute. She loved to cook. Um, from 2009 to 2015, she worked at a bank. And then she went back to waitressing and actually became the manager of Doug's Day Diner in Loveland, Colorado. Hmm. Good for you, Heather. Yeah. Managing um, is hard. It's hard. And food industry is hard. So doing both of those for things. For sure. For sure. Props, props to Heather. Like, yeah. Um, in, based on what I could find, around 2013, Heather met and started a seven-year on-again, off-again relationship with a man named Kevin Eastman. Okay? They both had addiction problems, which could have been why they like bonded so easily. Um, but it also added to a very volatile relationship. So when they were together, Heather was regularly seen with bruises. She was kind of withdrawn. That's why they were like, it was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. More on Kevin later. Let's talk about Scott. Scott, Stanley Scott Sessions was born in 1966 in Ogden, Utah. He grew up in Colorado. So he moved there when he was pretty young. Um, And then he went back to Utah after graduating high school to attend BYU. Okay. He then served a two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of which I'm a part. So I felt when I watched the video on this case by Mike and I heard that the victim was LDS, I was like, oh, I want to do this case because as a member of that church, it's really interesting to watch and consume so much true crime because there are so many LDS killers out there. Yeah, what's the deal with that? Ted Bundy? <laughs> no way. Was he LDS? Yes. No way. There were so many psychos. Explain, Renee. Explain. <laughs> Explain yourself. Explain yourself. <laughs> no, but there's so many, like, and, like, Lori Vallow. I mean, it's LDS. true. I mean, it's true with, like, you know, a there's, lot of, like, Christian denomination. Like, any yes. kind of, like, it. it, it is... There's a spectrum There's, in every religion. Yeah, there's a for spectrum. Sure, for sure, for sure. It, it's going to affect how devout you are. It's going to affect how unhinged you are. It's going to affect a lot of things. And, you're and some people have del- uh, religious delusions yes. and that plays into it. Yeah. So. so one of these days, I really have had an itch to do a case on someone like Lori Vallow, just so I could also add that the perspective and disclaimer like, we are not like her. <laughs> Yeah, what her beliefs. Well, and you don't want this misconception either, like from the public. Exactly, we're not we're not psychos like that. But um, when I saw that Scott was LDS and this whole case, I'm like, oh, he's normal. (laughs) He's no. I want to talk about him so that I could show people, hey guys, we could be victims as much as we could be serial killers. (laughs) God, Uh, I'm I'm kidding. 
course. Okay, so um, anyway, so he went on a two-year mission to Brisbane, Australia, which is super awesome. Australia. I'd love to go there. Um, so he was a musician when he came back from his mission and he went to BYU. He went there for a music degree. He was a trumpeter. Whoa. He was very good. Cool. And he even performed with the BYU premier jazz band Synthesis, which I had never actually heard of until I read that. But it doesn't surprise me. BYU has a lot of performing arts um, groups. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, they actually, they perform throughout the U.S. and Europe. Um, more recently, as in his adult life, he was part of a band called the Movers and Shakers. And they had, around the time the story takes place, they had just returned from an international blues festival competition in Memphis. Hmm. So that's kind of cool. Memphis is known for like blues yeah. stuff too. Yeah. And he was like really good. Apparently, in this part of Colorado, especially, he was like the the big guy. Like bees knees. Yeah. In this music scene that's cool. in this area, like Scott Sessions, man, he was the man. He was the man. That's uh, might I add that that's a very cool name. Scott well. Sessions. Scott Sessions. I it's got know. A, it's got a nice ring to it. Well, in Sessions, sounds like a very musically yeah. influenced The name. Scott Sessions. And he was, clearly he was just born to be a musician. He was very, very good at it. Um, oh, no, hold on. I lost my spot in my notes. Um, he also played uh, with George Gray and the Elvis Experience Band. That's important because um, that's the band that he was about to play with when gotcha. the story happens. Okay. okay. He didn't have a family of his own yet. But he had a brother who did, who did, and um, nephews and stuff like that. He was very like family oriented, which is very common in the LDS community. Yeah, it's a very yeah. family oriented like culture. Um, so that was kind of sweet, and he was very. T- it's important to note that he's tight knit and and talks to them all the time, even though His he family. lives in Colorado. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of them still lived in Ogden, Utah. Sure. So yeah, he talked to them all the time. That's very important for the story. Um. He also, this doesn't matter to the story, but he had a beloved cat named Munchkin. Oh, Munchkin. I really that name. Munchkin. My grandma used to call me Mindy Munchkin. <gasps> oh my god! Rest in peace to my grandma. That is such a Mindy nickname, I too. I know. Mindy <laughs> it's such a cute name. Okay. So, the timeline of this story starts in January 2020. Yeah. 2020. Ooh, Let that what a year. For a second. What a year. First of all... <laughs> Have have we all recovered from 2020, everybody? Do y'all remember 2020? Um, we all collectively blacked that out. All of us sigh when we hear when I say 2020. Good grief. So Scott and Heather meet in January, and they hit it off. They meet in, like, a musical performance kind of setting. She really loved listening to live music. Heather was a big jazz fan. Um, and they began seeing each other. It sounds like they maybe only had one or two dates. Couldn't confirm okay. that, okay? But uh, she was drawn to him because of his musical ability. Yeah. And his stage presence. And he seemed like... Sure. He was, he's Musicians. a super sweet guy, too. Everyone... And I know that people say that. When you die, people always... Oh, they lit Light up, up a room. room. Yeah, like that like golden phrase. God, don't say that about me if I'm no. murdered. Just <laughs> say it. Mindy darkened every room <laughs> she wanted to. <laughs> Every room became darker, <laughs> colder. Dark. She walked. In. I got cold chills every time. Everyone was scared. <laughs> she struck fear in the hearts of many. <laughs> oh man! But Scott was said to be like he was really sweet, 
because he really just he liked yeah. playing music and when when you're doing he's your a trumpeter passion, like come on yeah he's, he's living a, his dream he's not he's not like a bass guitarist you know <laughs> no but seriously let's be real like no, he's not yeah. in like a punk band or like you know what i mean it's a very different personality very strong. different yeah he's doing like orchestra jazz stuff for sure and he's and he's living his passion so clearly he's happy yeah you know that's usually yeah, that's we've a all dated effect. a musician that was a little scary. <laughs> a little scary. Haven't we? Scott didn't seem too scary. He seemed very like radiant, which I'm Aww. assuming would be a side effect of being able to live his passion. He was very successful at what he did. So anyway, so regardless, they they sound like they only went on one date. The defense team later would argue that Heather gave zero indication that she enjoyed herself on that date, Ooh. and actually argued that Heather ghosted him after that date. <gasps> I you can't confirm or deny that. Because the source is gone, but that just wait, yeah. Uh, so I'm just gonna put it out there that legally speaking, the defense team argued Heather ghosted Scott after that date. Okay, okay, that's all we know. Saturday, February eighth, so about a month later, Scott gets a text from Heather asking him to come over to her house that evening. And just randomly, like, just randomly, and they only had that one after date. allegedly ghosting him after that one date. And Scott, being the like. Excitable guy, yeah. he's, he's like, oh, yes, <laughs> I mean, yes. Let me get home and shower and get ready, and then I'll be right over. So he did. He talked to his dad that day before he went over too, and he was like, "I'm gonna go visit a close friend. And that's my plan for the evening." His dad was like, "All right, cool. All right, son." And then that was the we last, need to have the talk. <laughs> that was the last day anyone heard from Scott. Okay. Monday, two days later, February 10th, Scott fails to show up. To a gig he had with George Gray and the Elvis Experience. Which is unlike him. Which is very unlike him. He wasn't only, like, adamant about attendance. Like, he never missed a gig. But he was also punctual. He, like, always showed up on time. He was ready to go. Again, this is his passion. He's not just going to miss a gig. So his friends were really, really concerned. Like, right off the bat, they're like, okay, I guess we'll play without him. But this is really concerning. The next morning... Tuesday, February 11th, Heather goes about her regular routine. She goes shopping. She goes to work. She seemed a little tense, but like relatively normal. Like nothing about her behavior gave anyone any red flags Hmm. that they could notice. Now, Mm -hmm. keep in mind, I want this to be kept in your mind because no one really talked about it in anything that I consumed about this case. (laughs) She's an abuse victim. She is used to going about her daily schedule without shooting up red flags that something is wrong. Like, yeah, that's what she's been conditioned to do. Right. So keep keep that in mind. OK, yes, she seemed to be going through her regular routines, but she was probably a pro at pretending well, and she could fine. she could be like very uncomfortable and you would never know and you it. would never know. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. So um, no one because their relationship had been so young, no one thought when Scott was went missing the day before, maybe we should call his girlfriend because they weren't really like a couple. Yeah. He probably didn't even mention to these bandmates that he went on a date with Heather. Uh-huh. Like it wasn't she wasn't close enough for anyone. Like to she think. wasn't actually his girlfriend. Right. She was just a girl that he went on a date with. Yeah. They had talked again a month ago. Gotcha. No one except his dad really knew that he was going to go see her that night. Yeah. So everyone's like, like Heather's not in the picture yet. Like everyone's like, oh, Scott's missing. Let's go look for him. No one thinks to go to, to Heather. Yeah. A snowplow that day. On the 11th, uh, snowplow driver. Sorry, because again, it's February, so it's snowy. It's Colorado. There's probably a lot of snow. Um, a snowplow driver discovers Scott's body in Pingree Park, 
after noticing a smoldering fire nearby. His body had been significantly burned. Aww. His throat was slit. Oh my god. His leg was missing. <gasps> and his head was covered in plastic and sealed with duct tape. Oh my god. Yeah, this is excessive. The autopsy revealed that Scott was ambushed. Presumably, he was ambushed the second he walked through Heather's door. Oh my god. If anyone wants to dive into the forensics behind this, my goal is to keep this episode relatively short because it's closed and there's not like theories to discuss. But if you are curious about the details of the autopsies and all the forensics that went into that investigation, seriously go check out Body Bag's episode on this because Joseph Scott Morgan dives so deep into the nitty gritty of the autopsy. At some point, my brain was like, this isn't actually like, I don't care. about these details a lot but if you're interested in like the mechanics there go listen to him i'm not going to dive into it though the fact is scott has been brutally murdered brutally so february 15th um the cops finally go to heather's house like they finally make connections like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay she was probably based on what his dad said she was probably the last person Yeah. yeah they go to heather's house and they see two cars in her driveway hers and that of her ex-boyfriend, Kevin Eastman. Kevin's tires matched the uh, is, tire tracks is Kevin in the crazy? Park. Kevin's bad. Okay. Now, Kevin had this. been, he'd been pretty obscure up until this point. Just kind of like Heather. Like, it was a very gradual, no one would have connected Scott to Kevin. Had they not eventually found out that one detail about Heather. So, it's really strange. When they look into Kevin and Heather, they, they learn Kevin and Heather had this really, like, tumultuous Mm -hmm. history. Yeah. And that's suspicious. And especially if Heather had started dating other people. Oh, well, God forbid. Especially if he's a a scary guy. Yeah, yeah. So February 16th. So that day, this day before, February 15th, they're like, oh, okay. So Kevin's a player. Heather's a player. Here are their cars. What are we going to do about this? They probably, I'm sure, had to wait on stuff like warrants and stuff to move forward because the next day is when they finally, they like look for and find Heather's body. Heather's body is found in a wood pile next to a smoldering pit in Kersey, Colorado, which is not even in her house. Heather was killed too? Yes. Not even found in her house. Her house had been searched. And and Yikes. no no trace, right? So she's found in a smoldering pit, next to a smoldering pit, sorry, that's important, next to a smoldering pit in Kersey, Colorado. She was wrapped in plastic and bailing wire. Her autopsy showed that she had consumed both alcohol and meth around the time meth? of her death. Yeah. Whoa. But the ultimate cause of death was two small caliber gunshot wounds to her chest. Dang. Okay. Yeah. Kevin... My boy Kevin was found and arrested at a gas station nearby, filling up his gas container to take back to burn Heather. Oh, like he was mid disposal when they found him. Yikes. At Heather's house. He said, uh, excuse me. (laughs) I have to finish something (laughs) real quick. Can you guys wait like two hours, please? And then find the, the burning, smoldering pit. I probably should have said this earlier, but for some reason it's out of order in my notes. But when they did search Heather's house, they found an inordinate amount of blood. Like there was an insane amount oh of blood God. from Scott seeping into her carpet. So much that it went through to the padding underneath the carpet. And 
according to Joseph Scott Morgan, that makes a lot of sense considering how his throat was sliced. Like, he bled out a lot. Oh, my God. Who knows how long he was laying there, too. Like, we don't know the events that surrounded this attack on Scott, but enough of his blood, like, it was very evident where he was killed. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. There's not a lot of evidence where Heather was killed, but her body was a little more intact when they found her. that is... So let's talk about Kevin for a second, since we got there. Kevin was abusive, obviously. Ugh. Um, the yes. on again and off again nature of the, their relationship was because of the abuse and addiction problems. Um, and it was a cruel cycle for her too. Like you know, you leave him to protect yourself, but then get right lured right back in because of that trauma bond you got with him. Um, the her sons. It sounds like her sons were not living with her. Like they're all adults. Yeah, but when they did see her. When she was with Kevin, like all of them were concerned. Like it was. Well, yeah. And I'm sure the family kind of influenced the on again, off again thing. The off again, at least. Like, hey, you need to get out of this. Hey, I'm worried about you. Yeah. You know, that kind of cycle. So no one's really surprised that it was Kevin. None of her family members, like, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's Rax. He's crazy. Um, The pandemic delayed his trial, too. So they didn't get a resolution as quickly as they would have had we not had the pandemic in 2020. Um, but when it finally happened, his defense team, they claimed that he was a reformed addict addict who had received counseling for past abusive habits. So they, like, it admitted, yes, he he's used, made, he used he's to be horrible. boy. He's yeah. made mistakes. Yeah. Well, our, haven't we all messed haven't we up? All, we've all committed double murder. We've all haven't done we? this. Well, you've been there, right? He apparently, they claim he was trying to move on and recover from this toxic relationship with Heather. Which, even though they, they, like, admitted to the abuse, they still made it sound like Heather was, like, a temptress kind of a figure. Like, he a was shoddy defense get, He was trying best. to get away from Heather, but she, she was the She problem. just kept pulling him back in like yeah. a tractor beam. Yep, that's what she was. This defense Please. team, it makes me so mad. I want to point out that his defense team was all women. This... <laughs> lawyers were women and the whole time i was watching this trial i was like that's embarrassing i want to punch both of them yeah that's so embarrassing how horrible it maybe they don't have the conscious that i think they should have but i don't think and this is why i'm not a lawyer i don't think i could defend someone like that well that you know is guilty yes yeah or even someone who's like yeah i beat my girlfriend but just I, prob- a, I just I, a little bit. I didn't murder Only a little this bit guy, though. I didn't murder this guy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that they did, though. They made it sound like Heather killed Scott. What? Come on. Come yeah, on, like, Shelly. Okay, come on. Like, <laughs> they're like, Heather texted Scott to meet at her house. She lured him in. She was cold and detached, had no emotional mm-hmm. connection to this guy. She ghosted him, remember? They're like, she killed Scott. And then somehow, this guy whose property her body was found on, Troy, let me look at the name, Bunnell, Bunnell, Troy Bunnell owned that property and he was Kevin's employer. Mm-hmm. They're like, Troy killed Heather. That's how it happened. Kevin had zero, this guy is zero things to do with this, right? Right? So, she was apparently packing bags like they did find packed bags and stuff in her house so it was probably trying to get away from, from, this guy. from kevin who yeah. just 
made himself at home in her home. Yeah. How does she get well, away and from I'm that? Sure, I'm sure he was the one that was like, hey, call this guy. Yeah. Oh, this is the guy you went on a date with? I, call this guy. He, I, want, I want to see. I want to talk to him. He probably just took her phone and did it. He, oh she probably God. she probably didn't have a hand in any of it. No, I'm I sure she was like held. Half, yeah. I mean, this guy. There's no way brutally. to prove it now because they, you know, you can't ask her. There's no well, way they to convicted she, him. Yes. Yeah. So they had yeah. enough, well, they had enough to convict him. Well, what's what's interesting, what's interesting, and I don't have any doubt in my mind, but when I was listening to the defense, I did think for a second, okay, she's got a point. None of the physical evidence, except for him actively getting gas in that container to go back and dispose of her body, other than how they found him, none of the physical evidence tied to him from what I could find. None of the forensic evidence said Kevin did this, Kevin did this, Kevin was here. So he was careful. So he was very careful. His car was at Heather's house. So that's, you know, that's a ding. Uh-huh. You were yeah. maybe probably there. Yeah. Um, but like... And he was, in fact, filling up gasoline yes. <laughs> to go back to the scene of the crime. Yeah, to dispose of Heather. That's enough for yeah. me. I don't, I'm sold. <laughs> there's also, like, there's footage of his car that I think they found on some surveillance cameras, but you can't tell that he's in it. Yeah. To be fair, to play devil's advocate, you can't see him in the car. Do you they argue the that car. it could have been other people or was it just... They blame Troy. Again, they said Heather killed Scott okay. and then Troy killed Heather. Why would Troy, Troy, Troy the, the building? The yeah, building Kevin, guy? Kevin's boss who owned the property that did, she was found on. Did he on. end up being like, he was like questioned? Oh my God, this poor guy. Like, he's like, he's I, like don't I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> I did not... I, if... Whoever else has looked at this case, or if, if you guys want to do better research than me, please, please do. I could not find what motive they tried to give for Troy. I couldn't find it. Maybe I was blind blame. to it. Maybe I, maybe I glossed over it. But I could not find that side of their defense. All I could find was Kevin's reformed. There's no so physical he would evidence. Never. No, he would never. There's no he forensic evidence tying him to this. But maybe he beats women a little. Maybe a little, but maybe he abuses drugs and alcohol. Jeez. So it it is the lack of forensic evidence was weird. However, it did not matter for the jury. Well, they caught. I mean, they caught him like mid. You know, mid disposal. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, that's that's enough for me. He's like, I'm gonna put her next to the smoldering fire, so I know exactly where she was, and then I will go get the gas. Better go get some more gasoline. What the heck, buddy? What the heck? Yeah, the jury was not having it. They were like, 100. percent This guy's guilty. I don't think it was a very long trial either. I could say he's guilty. He's guilty. My vote is yes. He got. You want to hear his his charges? So, he was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of tampering with a deceased body, and two counts of tampering with physical evidence. So, he is now serving, like, four life sentences. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You deserve it. Yeah. I... What's your... What is your problem, bro? For real. For real. It's really funny, just to add some levity to this case, when I was watching um, that chapter and Mike's take on the case... And he, right before he showed footage from the trial, he was like, apparently in prison, Kevin turned into an old woman. And then he shows, then he shows the footage and he, he looks rough, but not like thin, emaciated rough. He's like, he gained a lot of weight in prison and he looks, he looks a little crazy, which most people do, but he, like the whole, the trial was super boring. First of all, it was super boring because they were just grasping at straws. Uh, Yeah. And I really hate 
I don't know if in the Amber Heard trial you had this sensation, <laughs> but when, when was like, that even a real trial? Was, Come no, on, it is, no, it definitely was was such a hoax. But when the defense is like, "You're such a good person," I wish you could have known the person that I know. Literally, his defense lawyer said that. She said in her closing statement, "I wish you all could have known the Kevin that we knew." Ew. And I'm like, girl, quit your job, like change careers. Or go to the prosecution side. I like, I don't. No, and it sounds it to me weird. Like just, just from what you described, like of them finding the bodies, like this, this was personal mm-hmm. because it was, excessive. It, it was excessive. It wasn't just killing a person. No, it was like, it was revenge. Their body. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, it was a crime of passion mm-hmm. and you know, he sounds, he sounds deranged from it. An uneducated psych standpoint, Heather's body was far less mutilated. Scott's was torn apart. Heather's, he just shot her a couple times and then yeah. planned to burn the body. Like with Scott, he so was like, just, I'm going to slice his throat. I'm going to so, cut off his leg. I'm going to. It's so interesting because it's like she went on one date with this guy and it seems like she was not even interested. Yeah. If the defense so, is right, then she w- there was no reason to go is, after that's Scott. That's so sad. I, I yeah. just feel bad for both of the victims in this case. I mean, obviously, in like any case, but it's super sad. It's and so I, unnecessary. I hated every second of the trial because they tried the defense tried to villainize Heather. And no, and, this, and you I know this poor girl was abused. Yeah, I mean, you know that she. You know, it was the worst. I was very. I was upset and I wasn't like John Benet Ramsey upset, but I was I was heated by the end of well, writing yeah. these notes. I was like, oh man. Oh man. And Heather looks so like in all the pictures I've seen I've seen of her, she looks so sweet. And she's I thought like they were both just... she's got such a sweet smile, and Scott's always like playing his trumpet. And I'm like, these two could have like maybe they weren't wouldn't weren't meant to be a couple. That's fine. But individually they were such sweet people. Like, Kevin, you monster. You monster. Yeah, I hope you have a fun time in prison. Yeah, for four lifetimes. Stupid idiot. Stupid idiot, you big dum-dum. Yeah. So if you are if you are a victim or know a victim of domestic violence, please get help. Please get help. Please, 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 please. I'm going to include resources in the show notes of this episode, it's, too. It's not a joke. And, like, it is, you know, I've seen it tear apart families it mm-hmm. is a uh, it's an awful thing yeah it, it is it is and this this case disgusted me as short as this whole thing was it made me feel gross i was it like, is it's, to- it's totally gross like yeah. it's it's like you know whatever whatever like challenge or something that he had inside of him you know he took it out on two people he took two people's lives and that's not it's an explanation but it's not an excuse no, absolutely not his own struggles are not an no. excuse at all yeah whatever trauma he had inside yeah that he didn't work on he took out on other people mm-hmm. that's for darn sure yeah man if you want more information about this case um again go listen to the body bags episode with joseph scott morgan he really gets a, a lot more nitty-gritty than i cared to um go watch that chapters video those were the only two i found if anyone finds more and gets more information specifically about heather i was really wanting to learn more about her life um, one of her sons testified and was a witness, and he had sweet things to say about her. I don't know. She seemed really, really cool. I really liked focusing on the victims in this one. Yeah. A lot more than I cared about the crime, which usually it's like a balance. Like, I'm fascinated by the crime, but I'm attached to the victims. This no, one, it's I was just, like, Kevin it's just gross died. and unnecessary. Drop dead. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, 
What's our sweet treat we're going to end this with? Ooh, so yeah. Mad, okay, yeah. okay. Hold on. I have to go get it. Okay. While she's getting it, I want to reiterate that if you guys have any, like, requests for cases, any suggestions, whether they be local to you or wherever or whatever, even if you just want to tell us your favorite case, like... I have a request. Yeah. Well, uh, it's probably overdone, though. Okay. That's okay. Which one? John Bonet's overdone. Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) (laughs) I just find it really fascinating. I'm going to Google. I just find it really fascinating. I'm going to Google if he was LDS, too. No, what? No. I'm telling you, there's so many. He's an Ohio boy. Oh, no. That's too strong. I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. What's our treat while I Google this? Oh. So our treat is uh, two things that I enjoy very much. One being sour things and the other being sharks. We've got trolley sour watermelon sharks. I love trolleys. Yeah. I love trolleys. Are those available everywhere? I feel like they are. I don't know that five, Which is good. Five below. Yeah, everyone should get that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You could get Google these. Oh, they're pink and green. Here you go. Thank you very kindly. Welcome. Ready? And go. Mm. This is a substantially sized gummy, too. Yeah. Mm. Very watermelon forward. I don't mind it. What's the other flavor that's supposed to be in it? Is it just watermelon? Watermelon. Hmm. I like it. Do I like it five schools, though, or four and a half? What do you Mm. think? I like it, too, but... I've had a lot of gummy sour candy in my time. Yeah. I really love them. Yeah. Maybe a four and a half? Yeah. I'm going to go with four. Okay. And a little, um... And a little shark keychain. (laughs) (laughs) A little fish. With a a watermelon next to it. (laughs) A watermelon shark keychain. Pretty good though. Mm, there, I think I want another one. You've done it again, trolley. Okay, update. I have not found that Jeffrey Dahmer was LDS, but I mean, stay tuned. If we do an episode on him, might have a. I mean, it's so overdone, especially right now. That's okay. We could put it in the queue for like later down. I just the line. think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. He's a really fascinating killer. Why'd you do that, Jeff? I don't know. Come on, Jeff. Isn't he dead? Isn't he dead now? Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Actually, what up, somebody yeah, he, he got killed in prison. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. See, I don't... For as famous as he is, I actually don't know a whole lot about his case. It's interesting. I know the pop culture stuff about his case, but I don't know. I mean, it's awful. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. horrible what happened to the victims and completely gruesome. Mm-hmm. These are good. They are good. Are we sure we don't want to give them a five? Damn, they are good. Keep eating them. I know. That's when mm. you know it's good. Hmm. I like four and a keychain. Yeah. Sue four and a keychain. Four and a keychain. Well, if you guys have any other cases, we'll add Jeffrey Dahmer to it. To the queue. <laughs> we don't have to. We'll see when he pops there's up. There's like a there's a couple that I think are interesting. Ooh, like um. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some there's some good ones. There's a lot. So keep them Ooh, coming. Jody Arias. That'd be a fun one. Oh my gosh, she was LDS. 
No way. So was her boyfriend. No way. Oh my gosh, let's do her next. <laughs> She's psycho. She her interviews terrifying. She's an example terrifying. though of people who join the LDS church for the wrong reasons. Oh uh, yeah. And then all that use it as a clutch yeah. for appearances. Yeah, it's a whole I have a whole theory about her cuz I have also I've watched a lot of her interviews yeah. and I'm like and then she uses the right word. If you are she be cray. a member of the church and you're watching her interviews, she says all the right things to make you think, okay, is she like a devote member? Because she's saying correct things for someone so fresh into the church. Yeah, she's, a, she's highly manipulative. She's super so, scary. Yeah. Like you could tell in her eyes when you like, you yep, see her dead, eyes. They're dead. dead eyes. Yeah. Scary. She's, crazy. she's on the list now too. Okay. I'm going to keep making it cute. Keep sending, sending them our way. Local, non-local, favorite. What's that, what's that one? <sighs> eh, I'll think about eh. it. Yeah. Lori Vallow is also on the list. Yeah. Chris Watts is one of my favorites oh. to talk about. I know that one's also a big. That guy. Super mainstream, but I've, I've analyzed the crap out of his interrogations, too. That footage. Yeah. Of, like, the when they first. The footage. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild. It's insane. It's Wild. Insane. Man, he's so messed up. And there are new theories, though, about his mistress. So I feel like there's still, like, updates to be had, even though yeah. he's already, can, like, in prison. But How? how... Oh, so many I just can't imagine. No. The family annihilators are yeah. really yeah. super disgusting. I, w- I was uh, talking to Biscuit about it. <laughs> I was like, don't like don't you know, there's, there are... There are family annihilators. White males in the oh, sure. <laughs> Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me, Casey. <laughs> no, he would. <laughs> he's, he's the sweetest biscuit in the world. I bet they thought that a Christmas. too. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but really, though, you don't know anybody, really. Anyone could be a killer. Anyone. So, <laughs> on that note, everyone, sweet dreams, everyone. Get really quiet. Everyone, everyone go to bed and second guess this partnership for a second. Don't think about, don't think about your mortality. <laughs> this episode or the show in general, go ahead and please rate, review, share, do whatever you do. Click all the things. All the things. Um, and we appreciate you. Thank you for, thank you for listening to us chat. And we'll see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye.